Welcome to the City of Refuge podcast, where our mission is to equip a diverse community of Christ followers to make him known. Good morning. This is the day of the Lord, you know, and we will rejoice. We gather here in his name. Amen. Um, you know, it's interesting. I was, uh, you know, listening to that. Um, actually, let's, let's pray. Let's pray, open up this prayer. Father, we just thank you again for uh, uh, that we can gather here, Lord, in freedom. We can ga- gather here as a fa- community in faith, as a family, God. Um, Lord, as, as just, just thinking about this song about giving myself away, Lord, I just honestly, if I'm very honest, it's, it's hard. Um, Lord, you know, I have so many idols in my life that it's hard to surrender fully to you. Lord, I pray that you will help me. Lord, I pray that you would empower me with your spirit. Father, I just thank you that you are a good shepherd, that you are the one who is taking care of us, leading us, guiding us, protecting us. And finally, you're the one who's doing the work in our lives uh, till the day when Christ returns. So, Lord, I, I just pray as we look at this passage, you know, very familiar passage for us, Lord, that you would encourage us, um, convict us, then, but finally that, Lord, we that we would remember your promises and that we would rest in them. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so as we continue on our series, the book of Psalms, um, and, uh, you know, this month is, you know, as Mark said, it's a month of Sabbath, a sabbatical month. You know, honestly, it's hard because, uh, you know, for us in, in the ministry with new students arriving, it's not really a, a Sabbath. Uh, we're really busy. Uh, you know, a big welcome party coming up on, uh, on this Saturday. Uh, but I think the fact is that we as a corporate body of, uh, of Christ, we can pause and remember uh, that God is the one who's doing the work. God is the one who's, you know, is the foundation of our faith, is the foundation of our lives. So uh, today we're going to look at the very familiar psalm, Psalm 23. Um, I'm sure you've read it many times. Um, you know, I've read it many times too. Um, and it's interesting, when I look at the psalm, um, and, you know, as we connect this theme with the rest, um, you know, I feel there's just, the psalm is full of promises. You know, psalm is full of encouragement. Um, you know, the message, you know, you see the message of dependence. You see the message of guidance. Uh, and regardless where we are, you know, whether you're going through the darkest valley or you're rejoicing and, you know, life is great, um, you know, this, I think this sound can be applicable to you. So, uh, actually, before we're going to read the psalm, I have this little video. I don't know if you can go back. You, I'm sure you've seen the video because, uh, you know, when I saw it the first time, I was like, this sounds like me. So uh, there's no sound, uh, but you get the point. So uh, I think a lot of times, you know, we as the flock of God, we're like that. Uh, we're sheep that need a shepherd. We're sheep that need to be rescued. But sometimes we just find myself, ourselves again in that the same hole. Um, 
is just really ironic. Um, so uh, hopefully, you know, you know, one thing you'll remember for this sermon, at least you'll remember the video. <laughs> so, okay, well, let's start uh, uh, Psalm 23. If you, if you have your Bibles, uh, let's read it together. So Psalm 23, Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the, Lord, the word of the Lord. So as we start the psalm, you know, we have this picture of the Lord Oh, the Yahweh, it's, it's interesting if you notice the sound, it starts with the Lord, with Yahweh, and it finishes with Yahweh. You know, at the end you see that we'll dwell in the house of Yahweh. So I think it shows that the foundation of the psalm is really God. The foundation of the psalm is, is Yahweh, who is our shepherd. Um, you know, one thing is, uh, you know, when you read these things and you, you look at the context of the New Testament and you look at the Jesus, you know, Jesus mentions that. He says, I'm a good shepherd. So uh, in John 10, it's a very famous passage, uh, verses 10 and 11, uh, Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. You know, here he talks about Satan. But I've come that they might have, they might have life and life in all its fullness. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This is the foundation, you know, the foundation, not just of our lives, the foundation of our faith. You know, uh, one thing, you, you know, you probably heard, you know, heard me sharing. So I grew up as a Muslim in Kazakhstan. I, uh, you know, always believed in God. You know, I shared a little bit of my testimony. But if I was honest with you, you know, if you ask me, I, are you sure that God is really happy with you and he's pleased with you? Are you sure that you have eternal life? You know, if I was honest, with you, I would say, no, I'm not. Um, I think there was this sense that I always had to leave and please God. You know, we believe there's two angels on one on the right and one on the left, and they'll write down everything. Just make sure you don't mess up. Um, so there's this constant fear that my life is, you know, or my efforts is not enough. And I think when I came to Christianity, when I came to believe in Jesus, you know, those verses where it says here that I'm the good shepherd, the good shepherd lays down his life for me and for us, and that I can have eternal life, it, that changes everything. It's beautiful if you really understand that. Um, you know, in John 17, 3, Jesus says, what is eternal life? And Jesus answered to that. It says, the eternal life is this, that they may know God, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And then in Luke in 10, when the disciples come to Jesus and they're like, you know, we did these things, we, you know, cast out demons. He says, do not rejoice in that in the spirits submit to you, but rejoice 
in the fact that your names are written in heaven. This is the foundation of our faith. This is the foundation of our eternal rest. That our faith is not striving to please God. Our faith is not doing a lot more things. Our faith is resting in the truth and the promises of, of God. And that's the gospel. And I, you know, I want to invite you, if you're here um, and you're not sure about this Christianity and you just still have questions, I want to invite you that the Lord is inviting you. The Lord is inviting you to come and enjoy these blessings. The Lord is inviting you to come and, and participate in the fullness. The Lord is our shepherd who laid down his life for you and for me so that we can know God, so we can fellowship with him, so we can rest in knowing that our eternal destiny is already secured. Um, so I actually... Um, have a picture right there. I have a story a little bit. So uh, this is from Kazakhstan. So I don't know if I've shared with a few of you guys. So I, I used to be a little bit a shepherd in the summers at least. Um, so one thing uh, we did, um, so every summer growing up in Kazakhstan, uh, you know, we didn't have Christian camps uh, or anything like that. Obviously, you know, we were Muslims. Um, so what we do is we get on the train, and I would go visit, uh, spend summer with my grandparents. They lived northern Kazakhstan. I lived from the in southeast. Uh, it takes two days, stinky Soviet trains, no air conditioning. But I didn't care. I mean, I didn't know anything better. Uh, but we would go there, and we would spend summer with our grandparents, you know, because our parents worked. So one of the things, you know, as I got older, you know, turning 12, 13, I, I would get on a horse. You know, I had to be, be able to get on a horse. And I would be a shepherd. So... My grandfather had a, uh, a little farm, he had sheep, uh, he had some cows, horses. Um, so our job was to make sure that the sheep are safe, that you know, no one would steal them, that they don't get in trouble. Um, I still remember that. It's like, it was so hot, a lot of mosquitoes, but it was fun. <laughs> uh, and you know, I think one, my favorite memory was my grandmother, she would, you know, she would milk a cow and she would make the sour cream, you know, there's this machine, and I would leak it because it was so rich, so delicious, um, just fun times. So the point is, again, I remember as a shepherd, my job was to make sure that the flock or the sheep or the calf, that they're safe. You know, and again, I was a human. You know, one time I lost the calf, my grandfather was not happy, we had to go chase and find him. We finally found him. Uh, but you know, that was my job. And I was, you know, I was a shepherd. You know, it looks at David, you know, you look at the life of David, obviously, you know, this psalm is very personal for him because he was a shepherd. Um, and I think, you know, by my standards, he was a good shepherd. You know, he protected his sheep from, uh, you, know, you know, it says from bears, uh, from lions. But who, you know who is the, the greatest shepherd, the great shepherd? It's Jesus. It's God because he finally protected us from our ultimate enemy, which is uh, Satan and death. So, uh, so as we continue reading that uh, uh, verse 1, and I'll go faster from here, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. So here in this verse, um, the word nothing or lack nothing is the Hebrew word haser. And 
you know, Hasser refers to something that is incomplete or insufficient or even empty. Uh, Moses, when he spoke to the Israelites in, uh, you know, in the wilderness, uh, in Deuteronomy 2, uh, verse 7, he says, This 40 years Yahweh your God has been with you, and you have lacked nothing, the Hasser, that, you know, God has been there and he's provided for you. Even though the Israelites had traveled for so many years, I mean, you know, the history of 40 years, pretty much uh, was, uh, you know, and if you know, you remember the terrain or the environment, it was a wilderness. It was a really rough, barren terrain, but God has provided for them. God has provided for them every day for 40 years. Haser, you know, there was nothing, and in nothingness, God has provided for them. Verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul, and he guides me along the right path for his name's sake. So there's a book that I, uh, I read while I was preparing the psalm. I don't know if you ever read it. It's, it's called The Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. It's a really old book, uh, but it's really, you know, handy. Uh, and it is written by, from the perspective of a shepherd, um, and uh, it was written by a guy named Philip Keller, and it was really eye-opening in some sense. So what uh, uh, Keller writes here about this uh, particular thing about, um, you know, verses 2 and 3, he says that green pastures provide food to sustain physical body, but also provide beauty to comfort and to sustain your soul. One of the shepherd's most important tasks was searching out green pastures and, and place it where the watering holes were there so that the, waters, the sheep can you know, get some water. So that the, the shepherd would actually search that in advance so that the sheep can go and, and get the, the, the one they needed. He says, uh, shepherd says in this book that uh, for the sheep to lie down, for them to rest, there should be four different things that kind of be, should be met in a sense. He says they need to be, have freedom from fear, so the, you know, that you know, they're scared that there's, you know, predators can eat them. They need to have freedom from fiction within the flock. So if they're fighting, uh, you know, they cannot rest. Uh, they need to have freedom from parasites. And the last thing is freedom from hunger. Does it sound like our lives? You know, I think we, we always strive, and, and, and we can be really restless because we're trying to feed ourselves, we're trying to, you know, we spend so much time fighting with each other. Um, we, you know, we, we live in this fear, and it, sometimes it could be so gripping, you know. Um, you know, especially, you know, with mental health. Um, and uh, parasites, you know, it could be many things. It's just things in our life that just bombard, and, and we feel like there's just no rest. But I think the, the reality is that the Lord is inviting us to rest and the rest is coming from him. Later, so Keller talks about, uh, he says, uh, about cast sheep. The sheep that have rolled over on their back accidentally have no way to restore their footing. That condition is likely to, to be fatal for sheep unless the shepherd intervenes. Therefore, shepherds need to keep an accurate count of their sheep. When one is missing, the chances are good that uh, it will be helplessly laying somewhere on its back you know, you remember the, even the, the parable of lost sheep? 
Upon, upon finding the, the cast sheep, the shipper must help it back on its feet. You know, the, the sheep is big and fat, so he needs to put them back on the feet and must carefully support and even massage its, uh, its, you know, its foot until the, the sheep's numbered muscles are renewed and its life is restored. That's a lot of work for a shepherd. Uh, and, but I think the reality is that's what the Lord does for us. He goes and he finds us in our mess and we're laying there <laughs> um, helplessly. There's just no one to help us. But the Lord is there for us and he's, his, his, his promises are true for us. He's there to, to bring us to fullness. He's there to renew us and to restore our souls. Um, I think another thing is, you know, as I was reading this passage in the verse 3 about refreshing my soul, I think um, sometimes I think, especially with, with pandemic and COVID, you know, I was, I was really struggling, you know, ask my wife. Uh, I was really depressed. And I was like, my, I felt like my soul was really empty. My relationship with God is, is dry. And I still feel some of it, the effects of it. Um, and I, I remember, I just, you know, Heather would say, go talk to Brendan, go talk to the people around you. Um, we, need, we need the body. We need the flock. Because God can use you, can use the body of Christ to refresh you and restore your soul. Um, and I think the beauty thing, we have it. That's another thing is that we have the body of Christ. And I, you know, I really encourage you, if you're feeling that way, um, you know, reach out to your friends, the trust the friends, because the Lord can restore or renew through that. Um. Okay, verse 4. We're going quickly. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Very, you know, interesting passage. It's interesting what I've noticed here. Um, do you see in this verse that actually the pronoun changes? Uh, so David has been talking about God in the third person, he. So with this verse, he begins to use the second person, you and your. He's no longer speaking about God, but instead he's speaking to God. You know, there's something that was very personal to David, and he's talking to him now. Um, and I think, you know, as, as, as I look more, you know, obviously the life, life, David's life was full of challenges, you know, and, and persecution, and, you know, and not just, you know, that just from Saul, obviously later on from his children. Um, so he did experience that. Um, secondly, thing is, it's interesting, uh, uh, in NIV, but in some other translations, uh, it says here that when we go, I walk through the darkest valley. There's another translation that says, I walk through the shadow of death. But, you know, as I read more on that, and I was looking at scholars' things, is, is they said it, I think the darkest valley is more closest to the Hebrew. Uh, one reason is, is that, uh, you know, if it applies to sheep, they were not afraid of death, but they were, um, sorry, I have it in my notes here, uh, that the sheep did not understand the concept of this, but they did understand the concept of entering in the darkest valley where it could be dangerous. They just, they knew that it was kind of scary. Um, but I think it also can apply to the death. I mean, I know this passage is used a lot, the funerals, and I think it appropriate applied because ultimately the, the biggest fear we have is death. And I think Jesus conquered that. 
that we have hope in that. But it also applies to many other things. You know, I think we all go through, um, you know, those darkest valleys. So uh, one thing I remember when I came to the U.S. in 2007, um, I really had a hard time. Uh, I was, I, you know, I, I left my family. I didn't have anyone. I, uh, I was going to a new country, a new place. I didn't have friends. Um, I came into the first, uh, I think I, sh I shared a funny story. Uh, when I arrived, uh, my new roommate, who was also from my country, he forgot to pay for the, the deposit for electricity. And it was in August. <laughs> and so I arrived at the apartment and no electricity. And I asked him what happened. Was, he didn't know. I mean, his English was okay. And I, I, I found, a, you know, I was digging in and I found out that he forgot to pay the deposit for electricity. So for five days in August, we lived without electricity. Uh, it was rough. Um, and uh, I remember we sleep, you know, we're sleeping. It was open door, open window. It's humid. But I was like, you know, that's just part of life. Um, you know, later on I had, you know, issue with the school and there's uh, some funding that was promised from the university that didn't come through. Um, it was hard. It was really hard. Uh, I remember I was thinking, it was like, I'll go back home to my family and how I'm going to face them, what I'm going to tell them, you know, that I just didn't make it. You know, it was just big shame, you know, because, you know, my family sent me here, you know, as many of you can relate as if you came internationally, that if you're an international student, it's an honor, um, you know, that usually your parents sacrifice a lot um, financially for, for you to come. So if you go back and, you know, without degree and everything, it's, it's a big shame. And I remember just going through this darkest valley in my life and, but the Lord, the Lord was there. Um, you know, he provided, he guided me through that. Um, and one of the things I feel like I end up in the ministry, because, you know, when I came to U.S., you know, I was never thought, I was like, oh, I'll become a missionary. Um, you know, my goal was to go to grad school, do this, this, A, B, C. The Lord said, no, I have a plan for you. And he opened the door to do ministry with international students. And, and looking back, you know, he allowed me to go through the darkest valley to show me that, you know, he had a plan and he was in control. I think uh, one thing is, you know, we should remember that, uh, you know, there's a word here, even though I walk through the darkest valley, the word through is very important. The psalmist doesn't speak of going into the valley as, it, as it, if it was a, a box canyon or final destination. He talks about it going through it showing that the, it, he expects to emerge from its shadows into the light on the other side. I think that the truth is that even if we go through the darkest valley, this is not our final destination. That we can rest in the fact that the Lord who is taking us through that, there's the light at the end of the tunnel and that we can, we can go through that. Um, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Um, you know, as I was reading more, I learned that the shepherd's rod was a sturdy club for, for use against wild animals that would otherwise prey on the sheep. The shepherd's staff was a familiar long rod with a crook on, on the end. You know, like the, we use at the, when we use international students, we have this uh, candy cane. That's right. Uh, we say, that's Jesus. Um, and the shepherd would use his staff to guide the sheep and pull them back from the dangerous places. Sometimes he would use it to discipline them. 
the rod and staff were comforting to the sheep because they were both intended for the sheep's benefit. But mostly they were comforting because they were in the hands of a caring shepherd. I think that's the important thing, is that the shepherd is the one who is the, the, main, the main person here. Is that if he uses his staff or he uses his rod, the fact is that the comforting fact is that we, you know, that he is the caring shepherd and that we can trust and, 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 let, and rest in him. Amen? You guys with me? All right, I'm wrapping up. I know, don't fall asleep. Um, so, verse 5, um, and it'll finish. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Um, you know, as we look at the verse 5, the, the Hebrew word here for table is sulhan. And it says it could refer to animal, uh, to an animal height spread on the ground like a picnic table. Usually a shepherd would prepare a table for his sheep by scouting ahead of, to find a good pasture land free from predators and poisonous plants. So the shepherd is already preparing. You know, he's finding the best, the best, best pasture land. You know, the sheep don't have to worry about it. What they need to do is to depend and, and listen to the shepherd. Uh, in either case, the sulhan represents an intimate table fellowship, just as a dinner table today. Um, I have a picture there. So this is a, so I'm from Kazakhstan. We like to feast, uh, and we like to eat meat, a lot of meat. Uh, we had a party for Anan yesterday, and you know, we had chicken and, and beef and, and lamb. Uh, this is the, you know, that's how we party. Uh, if, you, if you invite a, a Kazakh to a, a dinner, if you don't provide meat, they might get offended. Uh, um, and, you know, but because we like to celebrate and, and, and we like to invite people. You know, my mom, she's a great host. You know, I, I remember growing up, she would go into debt sometimes to be a great host, uh, uh, a host. Just, but that's part of the culture that when you invite someone and you share a table and you invite, you know, and you share a meal together, you know, just shows and communicates a lot of different things. To be invited to the king's table was a great honor. To be invited to God's table, table is the ultimate honor. To eat at the king's table in the presence of your enemies would show your enemies that the king holds you in a high regard and would demonstrate their powerless, powerlessness to hurt you. You know, this is the image that if you're invited to the king's table and you have the presence of your enemies, that what does it show? That you have the king who's backing you. King who will protect you. And they're powerless. They cannot do anything. You know, they're like, oh, this, you know, this guy has backup. You know, we see this beautiful picture in obviously the Lord's Supper in Matthew. Um, that Jesus honored his disciples by inviting them to a table where he served them bread, saying, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you. I suffer if I tell you I'll not eat until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. So we see this picture of Jesus fellowshipping with his disciples and inviting him to the table and giving the symbol of the bread and the wine is that, that, you, know, that you are part of me, that you're, you're part of the fellowship, you're, you're, you're 
your future, your eternal life is secured. Is that I'm doing this, this, I'm laying my life for you so that you can be with me, so that shepherd can be with his flock. And I think that's the same for us. Jesus honors us by inviting us to his table. You know, we do communion every year. But again, if you're here and you're not sure, you know, if, you know, who this Jesus is, you know, maybe, you know, Christianity is just another religion. Um, you know, that was the same for me as a Muslim. I thought Christianity was another religion. I think the truth is that, the, you know, that relationship where the Lord is inviting you to come, the relationship where the Lord is inviting you to come to his table, and it's a great honor. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Um, in the Old Testament, anointing with oil was used for various purposes. It was used for, obviously, in the New Testament, we see that too, for healing and, and burial. Uh, we see that anointing was used for a special uh, a role that the Lord has had for, you know, the prophets, obviously the kings. But for a shepherd, the healing purpose would be significant because, you know, she would use it for to, you know, oil to, to, to treat the sheep. You know, if they got injured, they got little scars, he would use some of the oil to, uh, to, um, uh, to heal the things. Um, but I think for us is that, you know, the, the image of, of the cup and the image of anointing is obviously that we are anointed. You know, we have this purpose in our lives is that we're the children of God and that God has a purpose for us. God has a plan for us. And that in this plan, he provides abundance. He provides everything that we need. And abundance, in a sense, not necessarily mean that, oh, you know, we're Joel Osteen and we have a lot of you know, money. And if you believe in God, you know, he'll provide everything. I think the abundance here is that uh, it's not necessarily material. I mean, he, he, he does provide. But abundance here of, of grace and, and the resources emotionally, mentally, and spiritually that we need for this life as a sheep. He says, my cup overflows because, you know, I see that in my life. The Lord has provided for me, and it overflows, and I can be a blessing to others. Number six, verse six, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Again here, the Lord, um, the Yahweh, in the house of Yahweh. Uh, it's interesting, you know, here the word goodness uh, is in Hebrew used, the word hesed. Uh, also, hesed has a variety of meanings. You know, it could be a kindness, loving kindness, mercy, goodness, faithfulness, or love. When applied to Yahweh or to God, hesed is fundamentally the expression of his loyalty and devotion to the promises attached to his covenant. His steadfast love fast towards us. Is that, you know, we have a covenant with God and because of that covenant, because we have that agreement, it comes with this goodness and love that the Lord is providing for us. Is that as, as the sheep, um, knowing the fact that the, the shepherd loves them, knowing the fact that the Lord, uh, the shepherd is the one who, uh, you know, provides the goodness for them. Sometimes the sheep, you know, has to be disciplined. You know, sometimes the shepherd will break their legs just to discipline them, so to get out of trouble. But ultimately, you know, you see that he's the one who um, brings the goodness and blesses us. There's a picture, and I'll finish with this, in John 14. Um, 
Jesus is talk, talking to his disciples and he says, John 14, 2, Jesus told us that he's preparing a place for us in his house. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I would have not told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you. I think that's the ultimate picture that, uh, that as a sheep, can you imagine sheep living in, in the house of, uh, of the shepherd? Um, you know, I, I was a shepherd. I, I don't think I was happy to have my sheep there. <laughs> uh, but the picture of that is that, you know, that the Lord is the one who is inviting us to his house um, and the house that is, is eternal, the house that we will fellowship with him forever. I think, you know, the last thing is, uh, you know, I, I'm a missionary full-time, so I have to call people to, to do evangelism. Otherwise, um, you know, this, you know, I'll fail my work. Uh, I think what I see here, and it's not here, but the great shepherd, the good shepherd, is inviting us to participate in his work. He says uh, in John 10, Jesus says, verse 16, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. I think the call for us is, you know, that as we come into the Lord's house, as we feel, enjoy, and benefit from these blessings that he has, that the Lord is also calling us to participate in, in inviting other sheep, inviting them to experience the Lord, to experience his promises, and to dwell in the house of God. And God is, can use us. God can use us. You know, the people in your life, we don't know who that is, but people in your life who are looking for the, you know, the lost sheep and God is looking for them and God is using you to bring them into the flock. A uh, little commercial break to pitch in. So the welcome party that's coming on 20th, you know, really, I would encourage you to come if you have time. We'll have so many students. I really encourage you to come and, and, uh, and meet students. But I think the, the heart is that hopefully you can build relationships with them, hopefully you can build friendship and you can share the gospel. And you see the joy of them coming to know the Lord. And you see that, that you see this kind of picture of sheep coming into the pen. And God used you. And I think that's a joy in itself. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you again for uh, that you are a good shepherd um, who knows our needs and that we lack nothing. Lord, we are so grateful that we can live in your promises. And they're true in our lives, that our cup is indeed overflowing. Lord, if you truly live in your grace and your mercy, and we truly walk with you, Father, we pray that you would help us. You know, as, as the times when we go through the darkest valleys, Lord, that we will remember you, would remember that you are with us, that you're, you will never leave nor forsake us. And I also, Lord, pray that you would use each one of us uh, to bring other sheep, uh, to find other sheep, um, and to bring them to the flock. Father, we thank you again. We thank you that we have eternal rest in Christ alone, who is our rock and foundation. In Jesus' name, amen.